Hello, welcome to Fallout Podcast 101. Triple figures, the next bit is hard to relate. It's a futile fall showdown, all 525 songs going head to head. We are now in round two, ultimate shakedown, two eras, 77 to 93 and 94 to 17. Thank you to Annotated Fall, Fuel, the track record, Oh Brother Puritans, Falling Fives, Fallen Women and all them what fall, Church of the Fall as well, can't forget Steve. Tonight, Impressions of Jay Temperance versus Crow Filth, Hark the Herald Angels versus Behind the Counter, and Noel's Chemical Effluence versus My New House. Joined as always by Pippington, William, Billy Rugby. The interior is a prison unconscious. I'm part of the crew and I'm feeling filthy. Indeed. Uh, not joined by Lord Sage Temple. We wish him well. We wish all of his family well and uh, hope that things are good in the world. Pemberton S. Walker. Hey, mystic crew filth. How you doing, Al? I'm still not dead. No. Looking Ch- up. Chance would be a fine thing. So uh, surviving after episode 100, it was a bit of a of a Tour de France, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the mountain stage. The Pyrenees were quite good. Exactly. Is Tiny Marky Tim Tim Twatwa joining us? He certainly has scratched on through from the other side. That's right. And I'm tweeting. He's very electronic these days, isn't he? He's, uh, oh, he's in the wires. He's like pumping a... out them tunes, them bangers. Oh, it's good stuff. Communion with the old ones. Treebeard O'Shaughnessy. And uh, that's me. And uh, Patreon chippings from Michael E. Max. Um, but not familiar on this week. He's probably having a rest. Um, but before we get into it, I'm going to do a futures and past on a man who gets a direct mention in a fall song. I used to have this thing about Link Ray. I used to play him every Saturday. God bless Saturday. Do we know what uh, song that's from? Yeah. Yeah. Think of Infinity. Very good. Neighbourhood of Infinity. So I'm going to start off with a little bit of Linkington Ray... I believe his real name was Linkington Ray Smith, his real name. Um, also an awesome name. Not, not his real name. Um, <laughs> but anyway, let's start off with his biggest hit single. Adobe Premiere Pro. That wasn't Link Ray. No, this is...
many ways, it's where it all began, isn't it? Link Ray, born Frederick Lincoln Ray Jr., 1929. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> renowned for his influential guitar work. He invented the power chord. No, he didn't. Maybe he did. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, but Rombo was the first track we heard there, which is which is his big, big one. Apparently the only, again, take it with the pinches out, the only song, instrumental song ever to be banned on the radio. And if we're talking about rung out chords, it's the only time I will accept them. Um, followed that how with... many movies how many movies is that film is that oh, uh, tune been in Tarantino's least... used it hasn't he I was I trying to remember if it was in um, is it in the Warriors as well it's, it's in an advert in it <laughs> at the moment yeah, yeah it's, everywhere. Really... it's everywhere it's 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 selling crunches it's choreographing <laughs> choreographing fight scenes <laughs> Set next up was Jack the Ripper, which is another great tune. And then that that third one is not one I I knew until I did my research this week. Big City After Dark, which is some bonkers, dirty, raw nonsense. Basically, I mean he's playing guitar solos, but they're not really solos. Are they? It's just noises and this this ain't Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, no, it's it's brilliant stuff. I, I love this quote from him. I'm not strong, Jimmy. God's strong. God rules me, man. Satan don't rule me. Satan knows he could turn me over in one second because I'm a mean person. I'm a nice person. No, a nice person would never pull out a knife and cut nobody. Peter, one of Jesus' favorite disciples, man, he got a knife and he was going around cutting and stabbing. He was a drinker and a wild fisherman and wild as hell. Jesus took a lot to tame him down. There's an evil and there's wild. And I was wild. Anything to say, gentlemen, before I jump into the next set? <laughs> Yeah, like Link Ray, fucking awesome, isn't it? Um, are you, you going to mention about like how he sort of like why he did mostly instrumentals? No idea. Why is that? He got TB in in the Korean War, and right. uh, to have like a, a lung cut out or something daft like that. Yeah, uh, he did only have play, one lung, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he learned, learned to play guitar, so like um, whilst convalescing in in hospital. Uh, once he got into about the seventies, he started making some more. Um, I'd say straight up Stonesy style. I mean, obviously he influenced the Stones, but like by the seventies, he was playing stuff that was. I didn't include much of that because I didn't think that was a stuff that influenced Smithy so much, and it's not as good, although it's nice in terms of that genre. But yeah, early stuff, uh, it's all instrumental. But he does so. He does sing. Maybe he'd be building up his lung. He does. So he does on a couple. Yeah, but mostly, um, mostly instrumentals. Let's have a listen and, to the next oh, three. Oh, oh, oh. What's that? Mostly instrumentals, emphasis on the mental. Well, if you think, listen to this one. Not that Nissan advert. <laughs> Has it got Link Ray on it? Yeah, everything. Rumble can sell everything, <laughs> man. Insurance.
that you say As honey and cream You're the sweetest girl I've ever seen Well, you touch it so strong And your heart is warm What do me, darling? Very sweet. So run, chicken, run. I'm branded and hidden charms all, all I think from the early sixties. And um, I, he did have a bunch of stuff that was a, that's a bit more, I guess, generic once you get into his style. But there's a lot of weird stuff going on. They're all about two minutes long, two and a half minutes long, and you fast forward to about two minutes in, and it starts getting bonkers stuff. Yeah, it's it's awesome stuff. We've talked quite a few times, haven't we, about um. The first, the first run of Fall albums and how they get really aggressive guitar without any distortion being added to it, and that's straight out of the Link Rare playbook, isn't it? It's it's this razor wire style guitar playing. I mean, it's, there was some bit just to talk a bit about the technique for a while. He's an incredibly innovative guitarist. This is this is real invention. It's it's. It, he doesn't really use effects that much, but he uses technique a lot. If you're on that chicken uh, run, chicken run, where he's doing his chicken clock guitar, he's hitting artificial harmonics on a clean guitar. That's like a technique that heavy metal guitarists use, but he's doing it on a clean guitar. It's and he's hitting the same artificial harmonic each time as well. So he's he knows what he's doing. And he's so he's playing with noises that you don't normally at this time associate with playing guitar. He's he's using the full range of noise that he can get out of the instrument, and it's that's that's a sign of a true virtuoso. He's a, and it's so it's deceptive the music, isn't it? Because it's slow and laid back, and it's a bit sort of languid the whole thing. But it doesn't lose any aggression or wildness because of it. It's uh, he's he's absolutely brilliant. He's another one of them names as well. I'll, I associate with coming round to yours and uh, listening to your vinyl collection. He was one of them names that you, have you ever heard of Link Rare? Never heard of Link Rare. You've never heard of Link Rare. Get some of this through you. And um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant guitarist. Really, really underrated, innovative guitarist. Yeah, I think the the way he uses a whammy bar as well is really interesting because i think again he, he was probably one of the first to do that but he just he uses it sort of like kind of like violently and uh yeah i don't think you'd have the the likes of sort of like headcoats and billy childish all that kind of scene because yeah. like some stuff it just sounds exactly the same like but childish sort of like does it so well you can let him off for it and i think that it wasn't he native american as well uh yeah which, so like, his Kevin. mom was shawnee tribe and, and if, i read a bit on his background and he, he seems like he had a pretty rough upbringing as well mm -hmm. and uh yeah he doesn't hide it does he <laughs> it's, it's it reminds me a bit stuff. like someone like Buddy Guy, you know, like a really underrated innovator like that, who's who was well ahead of his time. Buddy Guy's amazing. There's um I think it's the this series that um um oh 
what's his name, the guitarist, the avant-garde guitarist. Derek Burley. Yeah, Derek Burley did that series on improvisation and he went to Chicago and his buddy guy's like the only kind of blues person in there and he's just doing some wild stuff. Oh, he's um, well in front of Jimi Hendrix, buddy guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the last three I've picked are, are where he strays a little bit from that early formula, but I still really I liked the 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 stuff so um and this is yeah where his his shawnee tribe heritage kind of um makes itself known a little bit all right let's have a listen to the last three from 69 he's definitely uh managed to ramp his guitar up a bit in terms of noise by that point and then he does one called shawnee tribe which is from a weird really weird record mostly acoustic by the way it, called beans and fatback and then something under the name of mordecai jones and link ray called days before costa um 
just thought it was nice to see a little bit of the different stuff and it was all good but uh not what we normally associate with the link there's one of those he played then though brendan it was a really nice sort of like rhythm to it which uh it was kind of like a horse hoof kind of rhythm that he was using which is dead yeah, yeah. similar to what um like tina when people are you know some of the desert bluesy malian people they write a lot of uh stuff to, like the rhythm of, of camel yeah 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 that makes sense yeah, yeah i can definitely hear that in there and, and like in I think Pete Townsend was massively influenced by Link Ray as well, and you could hear that. On oh yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that, um... uh, that mind blower track, though, I said yesterday, it reminds me of the Monks. That it's got, oh, yeah. it's got that wild sort of edge to it, where it feels like it could fall over at any point, which is what we love about the fall, isn't it? Really, it's not. Um, it's not something you'd expect for someone who'd been on the scene 10, 12 years at that point. Yeah. yeah. So there's an interview, obviously, you've probably seen it, where Link Ray and, and Smith met each other in 93. It's a few, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, basically. And Mark says, you kept my head together for fucking years, Link. When I was a teenager in my 20s, you know, I like Elvis, I like Gene Vincent, but you were the one that kept me together. It's spiritual. <laughs> it's that Indian it's thing. fanboying, mate. It's fanboying. Proper gushing. <laughs> Dang, gananang. If I ever thought about packing the business in, I'd put Rumble on full fucking blast. And Link goes, all right, Mark, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. It's, 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 a, it's a good... Good and check it out if you haven't. All right, that's my that's my link ray bit. How about we crack on with the main event of impression of J Temperance? to start philip as is customary jay temperance yeah so i said deceptive before about link ray is another deceptive song as well isn't it it seems very very simple at the start of it you got the uh in fact i think the last time we talked about this song was when we did the um spooky one for halloween we oh, were yeah. talking about this one and i was saying that since I'd learned about the run rabbit run bass line. It kind of taken something away from this song, but it's it's certainly come back with the last few listens this week of that, that the rumble, the the ominousness, and that the the my head kind of know with that bit of the song is that perhaps perhaps this is a slightly older song. Perhaps this is something from more like the forties, where there's perhaps an audience in a cinema somewhere singing "Run Rabbit Run," oblivious to the horror that's going on outside. 
And the other, the the other, the other thing. Oh, so to just finish that off, the um, it's a really surprisingly complex arrangement. This the more the more that I've listened to it and dissected it, it's really quite cranial the way they add stuff to it. It's not as improvised as it might sound to start off with. There's lots of quite little flourishes and little touches and noises going on and bits of editing and production. So I, I really really enjoyed picking that apart whilst I was listening to it, but. The other thing that jumped out to me this time was the um, he references a few times about uh, land and water coming together in the song. So there's something about a city tide, and then a t I think in the opening verse he talks about a port town, and it's like there's this this idea of water and land coming together, which is always associated with the liminal, isn't it? The beach is like a liminal place where different things are coming together. So I thought that was quite a clever lyrical touch from him, where it's. It's like it's the lim the urban liminal, isn't it? Like we've all grown up around canals in in Wigan and stuff, isn't it? And that's a really liminal space. Whenever you water in the canal at night time, it's it's a bit eerie. It's a bit weird, especially if there's nobody else around. And it's like it's that vibe that he really exaggerates in the song. So I really enjoy getting into that this time. But it's it's a classic, isn't it? This one, it's it's one of the great ones that everybody talks about. Absolutely, but yeah, and no, I think you've nailed it in terms of the setting of the story because it is probably to my mind is more straight ahead story song but the setting is just beautiful and it's it's a it's a it's a village but it's modern it's semi-urban it's it's just the pictures there without him really um putting too many details in there the town of port yeah he talks about uh warehouse base near a city tide so he's throwing in like urban and rural and land and sea kind of things and just building it up through little bits Quantilis, you might say <laughs> Alistair, what do, you, <laughs> what do you make of this song? It's lovely, isn't it? You know, it's, it's got that really sort of dark brooding edge to it, but you've got a kind of like a seedy, velvety kind of groove to it. I love the keys on it. They're, they're like the sound of it's fucking ass. But from what I can get, it's a, it's a song about a, a replica dog breeder who does impressions like Mike Yarwood. That's what I got too. Oh, mm. what an atmosphere. Indeed. Wow, you know it. Do you want me to say more? Is that no. what you, you, you no. want? To <laughs> I was just yeah, keep going, keep it, spin it out, spin it out, I'll go. You got it's, another five it's minutes. It's yeah. by, by some some band called The Fall, what Fall. I've never heard of. Post punk, Manchester post punk legends. That's all. <laughs> I've got no, it's, really, it's, like, it's, like, it's that early kind of era where they just like, they kind of nailed everything. They, they didn't really kind of like do anything that you'd go, oh yeah, that's shockingly bad. Uh, what, what even the shockingly the shockingly bad stuff's good. Yeah. Even the the the, the there's, there's something about the sound of that keyboard and guitar when they come together that's absolutely magical. I do not know how they get that that it's a weird kind of lo-fi harmonizing that they do in the way that the dissonance kind of like just makes it sound wonderful. It's brilliant. I think it's, I think it's all completely accidental. <laughs> it's just a room know. sound, isn't it? A couple of mics know. in a room and then mixed and somebody's got the ears to say that's right. And you you want to give Smith the credit, really. You want to be like Smith, like, no, that's it. And he just got it. But whatever it was, that, that mix on this album um, is spot on. Because, you know, we've talked about Dragnet, of course. And we've talked about how Witch Trials isn't quite there either. And I think this is the first one. Grotesque. It's just in terms of sound. <laughs> we love Dragnet's sound, of course. We've talked about it a lot. But in terms of sound, it's just, it's there. And I think it's that's what 
Do you not think Dragnet? I, I mean, I, it's one of my favourites, Dragnet, but it's it's a bit too avant-garde to be totally pop. It's do you know what I mean? It's a bit too extreme to be completely accessible. I don't think they were a pop band though when they started. I mean, they, they yeah. went into pop territory later on. Uh, you know, there might be like poppy elements, but I, I wouldn't describe the fall as a pop band when they first started. No, it's a love-hate thing, isn't it? We're right from the start, they're making fun of chock stock, but at the same time, they're pop stickers, but at the same time, they're kind of embracing bits of it. And I think grotesque is where it's kind of... It wasn't an obvious move, like something where This Nation Saving Grace was a pretty obvious jump towards pop, but this wasn't. But certainly, if you look at the first two albums, there is a, a move towards more solid, almost well-behaved um, kind of album this one and then Hex are the two that uh, I, I love Grotesque. It's, it's my favorite record. Hex, I can't give quite as much of a of love to, but both of them, I would say, are, are arguably their most neat and tidy song based albums. Just start to finish it's song, 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 song with yeah. not much detour. Any every song, it just nails it. And yeah, and I can't quite put my finger on what the difference is between Hex and Grotesque, but I I know what you mean. I got into Hex first, and that's that uh, for eight, years and years and years. It was like this is the best album, this is the best fall album. But yeah, over the over the last few years, Grotesque in my mind now is like sort of if I had to pick a Sergeant Pepper's type album for him, it's yeah. it's probably that one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it is popular. Even though, uh, you know, the argument is they moved more and more towards pop as they went along. But I think mm-hmm. this is as pop as it went before they detoured off into um, Hex, Room to Live, Perverted by Language, Wonderful and Frightening, as they then started moving back into proper uh, stuff that we'll get to later. But uh, Hate Wide for Dog Breeder. Name was Jay Temperance, only two did not hate him. Every time we, uh, every time we talk about the song, I have to say that line, only two did not hate him. That's so... I don't know why I just love that what line. Those lyrics, like the uh, the one about you make your friends he's got. And it's, the, the whole thing is brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's a story told in the form of a song, which is hard to do without it sounding proper cheesy. And although it's definitely tongue in cheek, it's done remarkably well. Pounding low rumble. I've used that word rumble as, as you did. It must be on our mind for some reason. Strong scratches and marching drums and the guitar is setting up some kind of call and response at times and, and kind of um, interjections around. Wonky, noisy riff. Um, plonky keys lurching in and some sweet muffled mez. Um Tell you what also made me laugh this time round. You know where he pulls the Lovecraft trick of this this bit has no uh, yeah, the next yeah. bit is hard to relate. And then I he doesn't actually miss a beat with the main line, does he? He actually sticks in something extra where he claims there's something missing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was quite funny. It, it's definitely a nod and a wink towards like you if you know, you know when you're listening to it, especially in eighty when it came out, you know, like that that. Lovecraft was far less well known at that point. Yeah. Um, I always remember that big break, and it was the thing was in the impression of Jet. I always, every time, I know it's not like this, but I imagine it. Dun dun dun. I imagine it all crescendos and then drops out, but it doesn't. It just more or less kind of like bricks. Yeah, you know, it just moves up a little bit. But um, what there's does- another little. There's another little factoid before I just tell you what uh, the invisible one says, which is the name of the vet 
as Cameron um, in one of the uh, Black Magic Grimoires. Cameron is one of the names that you use to call up the devil. Really? It's, uh, That's interesting. Yeah, interesting. There's quite yeah. a lot of them, though, isn't there? To be honest, uh, it's well, it's it's in a it's in a chain in the invocation, but yeah, I just it's it's one that's in all the. Uh, the is it, the is it followed by Osborne? <laughs> and then bite off the head of the bat. Then we right, taxes. The invi- <laughs> all right, let's see what he's put. He says one of my all-time favorites. The musical arrangement is a masterpiece. The drum and bass holding an almost constant steady pace while the keyboard spins up and down to make a seasick feel. And then every other voice dresses the track. Mez's narrative is obscure and offers hints of the unutterable truth. What more could you ask for? Yeah. And we've talked about this before, but um, the, the um, German, the J and J temperance has been suggested for German, which is a reference to a, to a particular, particularly dodgy lovecraft story a good one in terms of its plot but (laughs) can't read it problematic i think that's what the kids call problematic 2024 Mm. um here's what michael lee says in the 1990s channel 4 repeated the sweeney and i was half watching an episode when a chase scene started accompanying my music that sounded very much like this kind of jazzy disco version since then i've tried to find soundtracks of the show but have never found the track so i can definitely confirm like so i can't definitely confirm but i still believe iojt is swiped from the sweeney they must have taken <laughs> the music off the telly and learned how to play it it is great michael i like the fact that you're now starting to go off into the kind of bonkers um reportage that we like um keep it up whereas max, more please Exactly, Max. I hope he's well now after his bout with the voice sickness. Fed with rubbish. It was a brave show in, though. He put a brave show in. in We're very happy. It was a great show last week. It was so good to have uh, Steve, Danny, Spen, Leon, Max. It's like, that was... was It was a Royal Rumble, wasn't it? Yeah, it was was a lot of fun. I'm still editing it. (laughs) You love it. I love it. Fed with rubbish from disposal barges, says Max. What a wonderful line. I'd like to amuse myself by imagining other singers singing it. Which ones, Max? Of all the story songs, I think this one best captured the true feeling of horror. I wish this was just a nightmare type of feeling that we can never, that we all hope to never experience in our waking life. True, very true. Um, it is up against crew filth of shift work. Two weeks in a row. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair, rule filth. What have you got to say? quite like this one i think it should have been a single um you got, you got like the uh, techno 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 start then it starts getting uh deconstructed and uh quite amusing um it's just probably some of the finest synth work ever on a fall song going on in this one and uh, it, it actually just sounds like they're playing mario karts whilst having a piss up and i, I think i mentioned last time uh, it's, it's about people from crew who don't have a bath but yeah my mate jeff he's been the ice spitting the graves with us and spent um, yeah, he lives in Crew and he can come out with some right filth, so it might be about him. It's, it's very likely, isn't it? It is. Uh, the apparently, the first part, um, 
it's i think it's a remix of um so what about it off the previous album off um shift work because the, the guitar lines are say da, 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 da. then he goes into the most cockney watchdog-esque uh thing i've ever <laughs> heard of marky smith just mocking the crew while they're on the buzz over a um a yamaha pss 580 the annotated fall tells me let's have a listen to the demos that um <laughs> from that very keyboard why not that's well that's where we're at in this uh Beautiful. See, <laughs> yeah. but Ben's not here, isn't it? He could have done probably the whole song as a as a karaoke. That would be good. <laughs> I, I, uh, I I I love that bouncy bassline. But what can you say if it's a demo off a keyboard? Um, but um, it's all going so well at the beginning. Sounds like a proper song, and uh, then it fades out and just messes on his dictaphone with a woozy synth as uh, calling Dave Bush and Co. Um, Dave Bush, baby. So at this point, I think Dave Bush might have still been in the crew. I'm impressed that he knows the names of the crew, the fact that he knows <laughs> who they are. He's probably made him worse stickers. Gareth, ponytail. Um, What's that, many of them? It's difficult to keep bloody track of people's names, isn't it? You know. I know. Um, we need yeah. Excel for that big spreadsheet. Fart noises. Matt Smith leading the chant. I said the only problem is not 45 minutes long. It's my only complaint. <laughs> So well, at that good. point, I should probably tell you what Stu said, yes, which please. is not really very funny, and it goes on for an age. <laughs> I'll never understand him. Never. We'll never see eye to eye. Michael E says a lo-fi classic. He's very good for what it is. Whereas Max says, as fucking about bonus track score, this has its moments, but needs not trouble this contest any longer. But what do you think, <laughs> Philip? Yeah, so I tried to I tried to approach it with fresh ears uh, this week. This one and um, it's it, 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 there's like three bits to it basically, isn't there? There's that sort of acidy kind of start, and then it goes into like a weird modulator pingy kind of bit, and then it goes into this jam over the top of the demo button. Um, it reminded me a lot of Insult Song. Yes, it doesn't quite work as well. Uh, and it's it's also got a bit of a sea shanty thing going on with it, which you know I don't mind a bit of pirate vibe every now and again. If uh, Mez is a pirate, I think I would be more up for watching than uh, than uh, uh, Keith Richards as a pirate. So uh, yeah, although them two <laughs> them two having a face off would be fun. Bill um, about pirate metal. I missed the first bit where you said, have I heard of it? Have I come across pirate metal? Yeah. I've not, no, but I am intrigued and interested now. <laughs> I wouldn't be. It's dreadful. <laughs> Is it anything to do with Talk Like a Pirate there? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's just like heavy metal kids playing pirates. What about Sea Shanticore? Yeah, same stuff. Same stuff, innit? Never heard of him. Dave Bush was in the sound crew at the time of Code Selfish. Uh, well, by the time of Code Selfish, he'd recorded with a band playing keyboards. He actually disliked the fall music at first, but after touring them for a while, he said to Smith, 
he is brilliant and I will do anything for you on keyboards and computers. Smith was game and Bush remained. After a regular, after a regular paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> the valleys I of Leicestershire. Like, there's a few things I do like about this, though, which is that you could really... Mez is enjoying himself, which is always fun to listen yeah, yeah. to, uh, at least once. And I, I, I also think you get to hear a little bit of how he knits his hook, what the types of things that he's looking for and how his brain works in terms of trying to pull that stuff together. It's a bit of a prolonged snapshot into uh, into what his process is around that with his sometimes barks and sometimes sort of melodic kind of approaches to things. It's it, That's quite interesting. And I also give him... Give give Mez points for his bloody mindedness when it comes to the bit, which is obviously how this starts. And Dave Bush is trying to make something with it. I used to think, all right, I should be I should be doing my band thing now and trying to make this into. And Mez is having none of it. He's just having fun and being a fucking idiot, isn't he? So, and I I I respect that. I respect the bit. I respect commitment to the bit. For for me. Other than Free Range, it's, it's the second best song on the album. I would it's like <laughs> Birmingham School, maybe. I said it last week. From Return to Married Two Kids, Married a Comma Two Kids. Still, it makes me make sure that I do the punctuation right in that, that, uh, in that title. There's like eight songs in a row that are just totally unmemorable. I stand by the fact that Code Selfish is the worst record, the worst album. It's, it, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. Is it more forgettable than Ben Sinister? I don't know. Ben Sinister. Uh, yeah, when you when you remember it, it's brilliant. When you remember this, yes. you're like, oh, now I know why. Why? I know why I blanked it. I don't remember it anymore. And it's um, a coping mechanism. You know, you just don't want to remember it. It's it, is. it is. Now, it's a I'm trauma gonna, response. I'm going to guess that Jay Temperance is is not going to have much of a fight here because Max and Michael e have gone for it, and I'm going for it too. What about you two? Yeah, about no. it? Who's it who said it's it's at its time? Is it Leo? Aye, Max. Leo. Max, yeah. yeah I don't okay. know where Leon is this week. He's probably busy. But uh, all right, Jay Temperance goes through. No questions asked. And we're up to the second um, showdown in the evening. And that is first up, Hark the Herald. Oh, what treats we are in for this evening. I'll, I'll handle this one, lads. So, <laughs> plodding cover of second tier carol, but the most professional backing vocals of any fall song. Paste. Philip? <laughs> did, you, did you compare paste then? Paste. That's, 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 the, that's the only word I can use to describe it. 
Um, I don't mind this. Honestly, I really don't mind it at all. But it is, it's background music. It's not, it's not what you're going to the gig to watch, is it? And it's, uh, I think, I, I, I've i got a very, very love-hate relationship with Christmas in general. But this is one of them songs that when it comes on at Christmas, it puts a smile on my face. Do you know what I mean? It's it, it's one of the ones I'm allowed to get away with in our house as well. Because um, there's quite a few fall Christmas tunes, isn't there? And oh, I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not allowed to play all of them. Um, it's no in the bleak midwinter by Bert Yance, though, is it? Well, what is? What is? Mm. Alistair? Hello. How are you today? Um, still not dead. Uh, and I'm doing a podcast. Oh, okay, well, what do you think of the song Hark That Our Old Angels Sing from the Peel Session by uh, Manchester Pope Pot, Pope Pot, Paul Pot Legends, The Fall? Chicken in a Basket style garage rock. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite an amusing version of the song. And I, I like the the, uh, the the Woolworths advert thing. <laughs> that you, that it's, it's like mixed in for a video. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, you mentioned the backing vocals. They're kind of like, that's the hook really far, isn't it? Like, but you've got quite a jaunty little riff going on there that's nothing like the, the, the hymn or the Christmas song. Um and, you know, Smith's delivery over the top of it, just sounding completely fucking aloof, uh, is, is great. I, I think uh, for a novelty tune, it's it's not bad. Not a cover, though, is it, Al? No, it's not, because they've got their own riffs. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says Max. Full of fun, silliness and genuine joy. This is what we want from a Fall Xmas song. Oof, that bass note, though. I've been very kind to this piece of dog shit <laughs> you wouldn't let any any other song get away with this all right uh michael e, i Do like you this. the christmas spirit you grinch i like this as michael e, and i'm glad it exists so i can stick it in christmas music compilations amongst all the usual overplayed stuff i think i would like it, if it god was... bless every one of us if it, was, if it was rough and ready i'd be i'd, I'd like it much more i don't need an overproduced Ball <laughs> Christmas the Carol. safest fall record. Exactly. <laughs> it's overproduced. It's a bloody appeal session, and it's recorded at Murder Vale with some top class engineers. I know done that. Yeah. Well, we know you know you got a you biased towards the Beeb. But anyway, let's have a listen. <laughs> let's have a listen to behind the counter. <laughs> what it is up against. <laughs> You want me to put it on, don't you? Yes, please. We can just imagine it. I always, I've got some things about my imagining of this song. I almost got your notes there. You almost caught me by the floor. Philip, behind the counter by the fall. It's, yeah, it's really. It, I've I've really got into this tune this week, and I think it's partly because of the video. To be honest with you, just uh, getting into some of um, Pascal Pascal Legrand. Yeah, I, I, 
I've, I must admit, I don't, I've not really watched the the full videos. It's always a bit of a surprise when there's a video or one of these things. You used to it just, uh, just being a sleeve or something, isn't it, or band shots and that. So, um, I, I've really enjoyed that, and it, it's a great video for this song, isn't it, with the Manchester night, his whistles going on and all that kind of thing. Um, I, and I, I, I think it's a good song. And I, I, I like the production on it, apart from one thing, which is the I, I think the bass suffers a bit in this tune. It's I, I really like everything else that's going on with it. I like the dancing production on it. I think it works. I like the break. I think it's 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 a really great slice, this whole package of video and music of the nineties psychedelia that was going on at the time, isn't it? It is it's psychedelic, but it is nineties Manchester, uh, and I, I I love getting back into that because it's a bit of nostalgia, but also I do think it was it was one of the last uh, last bits of um, northern style that really sort of hit the hit the world's imagination, and it was that was that was a great period of time to be living through, really. So so that was all cool. And this is I, I don't think it's a it's a, a classic with a capital C tune, but it's it's been great every time it's come on this week. It's I, I like bopping along to it. Um, I guess it 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 suffers because of that a little bit. It's a little bit forgettable because it's so accessible um but it's uh, yeah i've really enjoyed it it's really nice i was talking about openness to fall albums and the middle class revolt even though it gets you know not a lot of love sometimes 15 ways reckoning behind the counter i think is a really strong opening those three songs um I, this is one of the first songs i really got into in real time because i was away at uni for a bit and they um that the local radio would play this because it was just out as a single, I think. You were in Salford, weren't you? For you? Yeah, well, I was at Sunderland for a bit. Oh, right. I was at okay. Sunderland for a bit. When I was there, I, I remember listening to this a few times. And then when I started writing songs, I tried to rip it off. And I wrote a song called On the Top Shelf, which basically had like the same, <laughs> almost the same kind of like rhythm and that kind of doom, 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 doom. On kind the of, top shelf. Yeah, yeah, proper, really bad. Uh, prior to our days. You to, when, did you have to dance like Sean Ryder as well? There was a lot of like, yeah, <laughs> Generation E. Thanks. Um, but I, I love the, the, the kind of alternating between like stabbing and kind of wrung out kind of guitars and the the looping bass line that just keeps kind of like for me it, it does hold it together but i like it to be a little, probably a little bit heavier i always think there's more synths in it so i always think this is a really synth heavy song but then but there aren't really anything other than the break um with some and that and that snare on the one all the way through just like um yeah, it's got some, uh, it's structurally really great, but uh, maybe a little bit simple, a little bit cheesy with that. Uh, wait, sir, wait, sir. Um, yeah, and it's interesting how much. So we, we've asked Dave Bush to come on, and hopefully he's come on in a few weeks. And since then, his name's just popped up in like ev almost every song that we, it was in the last one, in Crew Filth, yeah, yeah, this yeah. one. And it's obviously Noel's Chemical Effluence as well, which is references oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but the, the whistle going on in the background, I read about it in, I think it was Crew Phil we were talking about, like, he'd play a whistle occasionally. No, it's Noel's Chemical Effluence. The annotated falls talking about it. One of the things Dave Bush would do is blow a whistle through, like, through the songs. And you can hear the whistle in this. It's really weird because I listen back to it and there's a whistle going all the way through it. Um, 
The hen center was always. What do you mean he up. would play? Do you mean he would play a whistle as in like directing the band what to do? No, not like what I did that time. <laughs> I blow a whistle when it was time to change to a. Did different... he ever do that to you, Al? When he was playing music, he brought when we were in Fleck. He brought a whistle in. He goes, right, I'm going to blow this whistle, and when I blow the whistle, you have to change what you're what you you're going to be playing this. It wasn't, and it was it wasn't like that. It he wasn't brought that. in two two riffs that were essentially like two halves of the wrong car that he tried to weld together, and because it wasn't working, <laughs> he had to bring in a whistle to bring us to work. None of that's true. The head center was always picking on me. <laughs> There they were tucking in all over the shop. Got no time for dinner or tea. I'm getting thin from idiots who write rock books. Disparate. X groups cold. Would have played this for nose pin and the punk piggies. Didn't quite make it, they say. Get behind the counter. The other side of the counter. So, um, yeah, for just like... I know there might be a few ways to read it, but I'm reading it as saying like, that you 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 don't deserve to be in this business. You need to go back and work in a cafe or put your apron on and get behind the counter because this just isn't for you, lads, you punk piggies. There's a great Ian Brown quote where he says, this kind of talent doesn't translate to the sweet shop. Uh, something like that. <laughs> this kind of talent doesn't translate to the sweet shop. It's uh, brilliant. Like um, little Frank. <laughs> yeah, he's from Warrington, though, isn't he? Brownie. He is, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I, uh, I, I, I walked past him once when he was uh, at Warrington train station. Yeah, I was getting off the train. Like, Bloody there's hell, been a lot no. of controversy recently because he's been playing live without um, a backing band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I watched some of his shows actually. I thought they were pretty decent, and I mean, I've seen a but. It's only that... what it, loads of people do that. It's just what you call them PAs, don't they? Like public appearance type. Yeah, but thing. this is his proper show, and like I went watching. You know, I've seen lots of hip hop stuff that does something similar, but this was just him, and there was not, not even the backdrop or anything. I think it was it's just not the lights on. <laughs> Bring your own lights. But you know what? He has it. He does have a presence, and it did. It was like I, yeah. I'd probably still go see that show and enjoy it, but I digress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's no difference in that and uh, going watching a stand-up comic doing exactly the same yeah, thing. Exactly and they, right. they don't you even can... have a backing tap. If you can hold the room, and um, and this is all that's connected all that matters. This is all that's connected all to matters. the fall as well, isn't it? So that's this is all good. This is all legit. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair, what do you think of whatever song it is we're talking about right now? Is it behind the counter? Correct. I think so. Yeah. Right. I'm. It's like one of the better ones from middle class. It was a single. I think it did really well in the festive 50 from what I recall that year. Uh, but I think it's like a real sort of um, like terracy kind of whiff to it. Uh, and I think it's like all the the, uh, the, the whistles, um, the, the the bit where it drops in and it's, it's just like clapping and things like that. Uh, so it, it reminds me of like a theme from Sparta FC in a, in a kind of way. Uh, not dead sort of um, directly comparable, but um, yeah, it's all that major label stuff where they, you kind of they went dead commercial, but you have to if you're on a major because you got to shift units. Um, but yeah, not a bad one really. No, is it I... dead commercial? Is it is it dead commercial? This one, it is, yeah, that's a... <clears throat> I mean, I think no. a whistle all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say they compromised all of their uh, integrity to make this record, but um, probably through choice. So maybe that Smith was just, you know, trying to make sure he could keep the bills paid. Um, it's definitely more commercial than Dragnet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
here's what uh, Michael E says. P people seem to hate on this album, but I love it. And along with M5, this is the best track. That infectious bass line, Mez doing actual singing with notes and stuff, and even the whistles work. Absolute tune. That was Max. Michael E, a decent bass-driven track from an era where my interest in the new output was waning a bit. Oh, well. What do you think? He quite likes this one, I think. Uh, yeah, you would imagine so. I don't want to fucking hark, thanks. Oh, no. That's the last one. <laughs> and I agree with him. No, for the last one he's put, it's a fucking Christmas cover. So, right. oh, right, I see what he's done. Right, he's put behind the counter. Good 90s number, nice groove and laconic style, not top draw. Uh, but not much is from this period, and it would certainly give me get me dancing like a baggy. Nice. All righty. Well, it's I've just of... given away his vote, actually, with the previous comment. Well, I mean, <laughs> hopefully it's all of our votes, to be honest. So, Heart of the Herald <laughs> Angels versus Behind the Counter. Um, which way are you going, Philip? Well, as as much as I don't hate on uh, Hark, like uh, like certain other members of this podcast, I, I do like Behind the Counter. I really, really enjoyed listening to that. So, yeah, I'm going to give that my vote. Yeah, me too. And both of our Patreon voters this week have gone for that also. Uh, how about yourself, Alistair? Don't know what I think anymore. Oh, I think you're right. Aye. So... Final showdown of the evening, we've got Noel's Chemical Effluent, uh, a hidden gem. sweet indeed um yeah alistair what do you make of noel's chemical effluence after the 27 points well it's it's a really really nice chill groove to it um it, it kind of does the uh flogging the one riff to uh to death thing in it but later on you get some really nice sort of like noisy textures in there um which you know again ticks boxes for me um the keyboard thing i would have liked to have heard sort of like played on a you know like a, a proper instrument like a melodica <laughs> i i think that'd work really well but the actual keyboard riff it reminds me of like a you know, like something from the, you know, the film the vikings oh yeah yeah it's, it's, it's got that kind of quality to it i, I don't know exactly well, i mean what that, it is. those horns at the beginning are clearly a reference to that kind of viking sound right yeah, yeah, but um, it, it, like you said, it's a bit of a, a hidden gem, this, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, it works really well. Uh, and considering it's, a, it's like the old thing with the B-sides, in it? You know, like the, some of the B-sides just get sort of hidden away. Yeah, they, they don't get listened to as much, uh, but they do some, like, top-quality stuff. And this is like another example of, like, one of those songs, which was, like, for the era, probably, you know, it's damn good stuff, you know, 9 out of 10 kind of thing. And... Uh, yeah, it's just it just in the obscurity file somewhere lost. Oh, uh, weird, good. It is the weird thing is about the twenty seven points album, which um, 
came out around 95 so what's cerebral cost it kind of era i think um it, it's two discs and it's about 30 odd songs all just live stuff more or less except for cloud of black which is not that great and then this one which is a standout just like 14th track on the second cd so it's like yeah but um very sweet indeed the, yeah the horns the viking horns at the beginning for sure set set the mood and yeah that that the guitar and bass like locked in and loping along and then the drums kind of rising and you know even a certain mindset you can imagine a buzz riding through the alps and um then dave bush's obnoxious kids just come in beautiful it's beautiful but um again the fall everything's going so well and it's like mess signals to the keyboard player to bring in the synthetic <laughs> trumpets it's like just it make it twice as loud as everyone else everything else and it doesn't matter what key you're playing um, nice big reverb on mez i thought I, i'm loving this about three minutes in by four minutes i'm like i might not need six minutes of this but so this like like i was saying distorted guitars and noise starts coming in like low in the mix about halfway through and uh then like as right at the very end it kind of reveals all those distorted and detuned guitars and i'm like oh yeah that's nice there's some there's some good stuff going on under there it'd be would have been beautiful to bring it up more but i think it's a a really sweet song that uh this podcast has brought me to i don't think i will have heard it before maybe maybe once or twice but uh philip yeah, I, I was. You got me thinking there. The first time I heard this, what what was that double CD that came out with I'm a Mummy on? What was that one with the cityscape on the front? It's like got an orange and black sort of cityscape on the front of it. I, I'm not sure, but I think the first time more, a lot of people might come across it, I think would is on that past gone mad compilation. I think of like that's the one I think I'm mid thinking of. to late yeah. era mid-period yeah because i got that cd when it came out i remember this being on it um and liking it then but not really listening to it and then the more that i've got to know the lyrics and become familiar with the subject matter this is this is probably one of my favorite psychedelic songs of all time i think smith gets psychedelia in a way that a lot of the psychedelic artists with a capital p from the 60s never really got you know it's that world infinite world in a grain of sand thing and he you know at first at first look it's it's like a tongue-in-cheek mockery almost isn't it Noel's chemical effluence a song about a toilet um but he just worked the magic on it and the way that he uses work it's that grant morrison thing isn't it of using a phrase and flipping it like the the, the shadow cabinet as the as a as a baddie kind of thing and then in this Noel's chemical effluence it's it's like a it becomes this psychedelic is it like a secret drug type thing and um and it is all down to the music i think um, like you were saying, loping, I think it's a great word. The 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 way that the riffs, all three of the different riffs come together in this, I think is wonderful. And uh, I, I wouldn't change the sound of those keyboards for anything at all. I think they, they work perfectly. And they, the, the artificialness seems to, to add something to all that 
psychedelic coming together of, of everything else. And it just, it turns, it's like the reckoning. It, it starts on weird places and acts like a contrapuntal kind of swirling in the background. And because of that, it means that the more, the longer that you listen to it, that it's like watching one of them hypnotic spinning wheels. You, you know, you, you I'm, I'm going to go wherever Mez is going to take us on this. Cause that music is just so wonderful, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd, I'd really, really enjoyed picking this one apart, I think. Yeah, um, I don't... I was just looking. It's not on Past Gone Mad. It was, you're, you're, I know what you're thinking of. It's another compilation that collects... Will them. Bewitched, yeah, is it? Yeah, that, that's it? the one, I think, yeah. is it? Al, have yeah, I asked you about this? One. Have I asked you about Nose Chemical Effluence, uh, Al? Oh, yeah. What it's very test. Yum, yum. Yeah, you did. What does Stu think? He's put, I'm fond of this spaced out oddity. It has a sense of physical space, sort of boxy and hazy. And the repetition of the horn riff is quite trance inducing. I had a feeling it was either utterly profound or completely trivial, but neither really matters, does it? And then I looked on the usual spot and found out it was probably about a bus driver in a chemical toilet. Either way, I listened to it five times today. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a slow burn. We were going through the Alps and we picked this fabulous scent of Noel's chemical effluent. There was fuss about the elements, waiting for the keyboards as ever. The firmament of it is going out the exit. There's an inherent disease goes with imbalance. There's an inherent disease goes with an imbalance of the juices in the brain. That in transit causes one to envisage white faces as if spiked by mescaline. And we're going right through the amps. Look what happened at the lodge. Look what happened at the castle. Look at the red-purple vomit stream from the bed angled right into the bathroom. Um, when all else fails, you can always blow your whistle as well. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's another Dawes reference as well, isn't it? It's like horse latitudes. There's a, when all else fails, we can always... Something, something I can't remember really what Nice. Um, and this is where I got the line earlier. It says there's a, there's a whistle being played at 5.08. This, I'm sure this is Danny who wrote this. It may well be that the song is at least in part about Dave Bush. He used to blow a whistle at live gigs during some tracks. Um, droning bass, Max says, droning bass carries us through dreamy soundscape. There's something dozy about it. And I can imagine Jay Morrison singing his song about a vomit. He loved a bit of imbalance in the juices of the brain. Very nice. Michael Lee, for the first half of the 90s, it seemed to be normal for all the best fall tracks coming out to be one-offs on things such as live compilations, volume CD, B-sides, collaboration, film soundtracks, other than proper fall studio albums. But this is a great track, probably quite obscure by the fall standards indeed. But it is up against a song that is not obscure by fall standards.
That's very nice, though, isn't that? At the end, he's crying out for a scrunking saxophone, to be honest. But um, <laughs> uh, in any normal fall discussion, surely this will be no competition whatsoever between these two songs. But I think a battle is going to ensue. Philip? Yeah. New hmm, house. I, 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 well, I, I thought that this week when I was writing my notes. I thought, fuck hell, this is a bit of a big one, this, at the at the end. And uh, it's a real shame Ezra's not here because I know he fucking loves this tune. Uh, and quite right, too. I, the, I mean, I couldn't help myself but stick on the, the end there because that the it's almost as if Mark gives gives them the nod and then it just fucking lets rip. And we started off today with Link Ray and some great wild guitar playing and, and we finish off with some great wild guitar playing. It's It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I w- would hope that if Ezra was here, we would point out the Sonic Youth kind of noise going on here. It's like you can imagine Sonic Youth listening to this, nodding to each other and then, and then getting the guitars out. Um, it's, and doing it's, on a peel session. And doing it, yeah. yeah doing it it's brilliant. It's, it, it, and it's, you, can, you can really hear that... Um, Again, Link Ray is a really, really good intro to that style of innovation when it comes to guitar playing. It's not, it's not being limited to I must press down the string with my left hand and play it individually with my right hand. It's like I can get however I can get a noise out of this instrument. That's what I'm going to use, and and it's uh, it's a perfect, perfect example of that. The song itself. It's like Croton Roll, isn't it? The 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 vibe. It's motoric in its rhythm section, but the the actual music itself has got this real kind of American feel to it, and it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful blending. Well, I think that acoustic guitar makes it stand out from a lot of fall tracks that lurch in a not too dissimilar way, but but this one just has that different feel, and I I do have to give credit to Simon Rogers. I think that. Uh, anything on the album that stands out musically, I'm I'm kind of tempted to give him kind of the nod for it because they do some stuff on that they just haven't done before and they, they didn't really do much afterwards. And uh, he's, the, he's the variable. But why don't we indulge ourselves and have a listen to what Sonic Youth did do with it? Better than the cover of Victoria. The music's great. Yeah, I think the, the vocals a bit cringe, personally. But well, I think uh, 
specifically that they're not using the acoustic guitar with that, like I think it is the acoustic, as you mentioned before, Brendan, that really does kind of like set it apart because you're making yeah. like really horrible, wonky, scronking kind of fucking riffs, but using an acoustic, brilliant. What do you think of this? I, I love it. You know, it's one of those ones that's just been. You know, I've been aware of it for, for decades, loved it for decades. Great tune, but in the, well, like the Sonic Youth version as well. Like I've had that for a while on a boot like vinyl. Um, but yeah, I'm dead familiar with it. It's, it's just like a, it's, it's like a comfortable pair of slippers. Love returning I mean, to them. It's one of the few on uh, this nation saving grace that we all agreed on, really. I think it went through pretty easy, um, along with Dama Suzuki. And, and possibly paintwork which interestingly are all next to each other on the album again a run of great songs but um th- going back to that sonic youth one i think musically yeah they captured it but i mean they missed out that acoustic but yeah when they do they've got great voices and quite unique thurston moore and kim gordon great but why, mm. why pretend to be mark and brick but then again why not if you're having fun so Good on him. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always that, and then there's always the fuck you. We're, we're going to do what we want to do. So yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean the chugging of it, that discordance, but it's it's also light and heavy at the same time. But and, and obviously Steve Hanley's not on this, um, but still, I think the bass is doing a decent job. It's holding it down. I would have. I wonder whether he would have done anything that might have added even more to it, or whether. Uh, that simplicity was was enough. Um, Gentle Menace, is there a banjo in there? It's punctuated by detuned guitar, and then, yeah, it gets messy and noisy as it fades out. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm torn between wanting it to really let rip and really be noisy and brutal, or this kind of like, yeah, this tension they've got between the acoustic instruments and the Clean it's, a, it's a it's a balancing act keeping that kind of uh restraint in the band i mean it's famously what mez always said isn't it trying to stop drummers from doing fills basically and it's like it, it's this there's, there's something about that it's um there's there's not many tunes that can actually get the balance right on that it's a bit of a razor edge kind of uh act yeah um and just this subject matter very few people could be singing about their new house and it not be absolutely or a chemical lavatory exactly but like if you think of um madness ah oh, house and it's all cheeky chirpy chappies and and normally if people from the cool indie world are singing about the kind of domesticity it's not a positive thing but he's like this is great <laughs> I love my house. It's brilliant. It's a uh, you know, it's a bit haunted. Uh, you know, postman delivers stuff more or less on time. It's like that's just like that's not what a, 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 a indie pop star is singing about. Um, but that's why we love him. I've, prob- I've probably said this before. It was my, my my dad was talking to somebody about the Beatles, and uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, it's like the Beatles when they first started out." And then they went all weird, and it was like, "It's when they go weird that it's like that's when they become better." It's it's the not just writing love songs all the time. It's you know, wow. it's something a bit different. I mean, they're great at love songs, but what they managed to do is go weird and stay great, which is really hard to do and you know yeah. um and the it's fall... like a ray davis or good storyteller kind of yeah. uh mm, song exactly. isn't it 
Oh, like Snow's Gainsbourg as well. I mean, he's 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 like he always writes love songs, but he's, the twists that he puts on them yeah, are yeah. just wow. It's got to keep it interesting. A bit of controversy is all part of the game, surely. Um, our biggest purchase together was a house. It was around the corner from Mark's childhood home where his parents still lived. It was very comforting for him to live a block away from his mother. We bought the house from a Baptist couple. They had a calm, kind energy, and there was a good vibe in the house, said Bricks. Um, let's hope they had some happy times there. And, I'm um, sure they did. Yes. Well, that's it. Let's take a vote. Um, oh, no, here we go. Max and Michael. Max says, it's got windowsills, the excited estate agent. Is this the house that cropped up on Right Move a few years ago? Um, no, I think this is the one from Second House. No, this is the one that didn't. I think the one that that popped up when he passed away was the one from Second House now. I mean, now that's also great that he wrote another song later when he got another new house. <laughs> called Second House now. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is sounding like it's going to be close. Let me see what Michael Lee says. Well, and then, I'll, then I'll tell you what Invisible Stu well, says. Well, tell what Stu, Stu says. A really, a really nice cluttered texture, but I think I'd prefer it if it was just that. I always enjoy the intro bit the most before it gets that jolly, jaunty feel. I can't see visions of people in matched clothing strutting on stage doing jazz hands. I get the impression this one is well-liked overall, but it just doesn't do it much for me i'd be happier with just the guitar tracks stacked and looped for a few minutes and everything else could go i get it i think that's a little bit why i love it but at times i i wish it did more there's a there's a kind of it's when you start doing that moby thing of looping acoustic guitars and i'm guilty of that myself because it's like <laughs> it sounds good right it sounds good to loop acoustic instruments and you're like no nah, it doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> and, and, and i'll say the thing that the guy from um the, I, I always say this every time uh, i get the chance because the lad from mogwai said you know moby did for the delta blues what jive bunny did for rock and roll <laughs> it's one of the best quotes of all time uh, michael e um fantastic song which sounded amazing on my walkman back in the 1990s and the lyrics are great fun too i've always made sure that whenever i ever move to a new house this is the fir first song i play once i've set up my music stuff love it good work michael so yeah it's going to be close but um let's let's see where we are at philip which way are you going well i i really 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 like my new house but i'm going to go for noel's chemical effluence i think interesting um max has gone for Noel's chemical effluence uh michael e has gone for my new house which Ooh. way has stuart gone he's gone Noel's. i'm going for my new house alistair are you going to tie it or are you sending Noel through my new house then it's tied and the three of us in the room get to choose well Stu can chip in as well if he's given some points um has he Stu has given, given points? points? Go on he then, let's, points, let's yeah. start with Stu's points. I'm not going to tell you what he's actually given, okay. because he's just fucking cheating again. But okay. basically, Noel's, Noel's chemical effluence wins. 3-2? Three, 3-1? Three, three, uh, so, well, I tell you what, he's given it 7.6 yeah. compared to 1.5. So, should we say 3-1? Three, 3-1, three, three, one. Three, one. let's do 3-1. I'll buy that. You naughty boy, Stuart. Um <laughs> But let's go for it. Votes out of three for Noel's chemical effluence. Three, four, five, six, seven plus three. That takes it to ten. Might go <laughs> all the way. Let's let's do um uh 
my new house philip voted one he and i voted three just for the record for their record which means that those <laughs> chemical effluents got 13 points and my new house got eight which means the biggest upset um of Ooh. the year so far well that means impressive J temperance behind the counter in Noel's chemical effluence goes through, leaving crew filth, hark, and my new house going into the bin. They might have another chance. Pam, pam, pam. And the thing is in the impression of... What, um, well, lads, next week, it's another Marky Smith solo episode. We haven't done one for a while, so... Oh, no. Uh, get your head around the playlist when it goes out, and... Um, Yes, big love to everybody. Stay safe, etc. Sweet, sweet. See you soon. See you later. There, man.